Uh, our text today, as we turn to the, to the Word of God, comes uh, once again from the Gospel of Matthew, following right on the heels of last week's text in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, as you are able, out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, would you please stand as we read the text today, starting in verse 14 and continuing through verse 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. His master replied, You evil and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed. In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has 10 coins. Those who have much will receive more and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now take the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Well, it's good to gather with you. Uh, we're, we're a little smaller in number here this morning, as I suspected we might. Um, man, the world's just crazy these days. The world's just crazy these days. Um, and there are places in our, in our nation where uh, we couldn't gather like this, and I'm grateful to be in a place where we can. I'm also grateful that we have technology to help um, share this with people who, who aren't able to be with us, and for various reasons, appropriate reasons, are saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to expose myself in these days. Um, so thanks for being here, and thanks for gathering with the people of God. I believe God has something for us today, and has already given us today. Um, encouragement and joy and hope. Um, And it's good to be with you. Your presence encourages me today. 
Uh, this this past week, I finished my first uh, membership class that I've led as a as a lead pastor. Uh, in the final final class, I just took time to reiterate. Um, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I said that in my membership class. Uh, there's no way you should trust me this much, um, but you do, uh, and I love it. I love the chance to, to lead. I love the chance to be here with you and to grow with you um, and to see God work in and amongst us. Um, we're making progress. We're being faithful to serve this church and this community, and I call us to continue uh, that faithfulness, and it's it's a sign of good things, the the work that we're doing, and the people that we are, and the way that we care for each other, and the way that we um, push each other to growth uh, in our lives. Um, one of the things that has been a new rhythm for me is is preaching every week. Uh, I haven't ever done that before, um, and, and it's almost been a year. Can you believe that? It's, it's almost been a year. December 1st was my first Sunday. Um, in 2019, um, but but you kind of settle into to rhythms, find your groove, find your style when you're forced to do something every week, and, and I am very, very much still in that process of, of finding my rhythm, um, and, but one of my finds, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is getting to know um, this translation of the Bible that I've been using over the past year, which is the Common English Bible. Um, wasn't used to it before I came here, uh, and not something that I had read much. Um, but usually, uh, I really like it, um, except today. <laughs> except today. I, uh, the, the, there's a problem with the translation today. Um, and, and the problem with the passage today is the word coin, valuable coins. In the story today, we have this, this master who gives away a total of eight valuable coins. In my opinion, and in the opinion of, of many translators, coin doesn't really translate well into what the writer was trying to say. Um, even valuable coins. Lots of ways um, this translation kind of minimizes the, the word um, talents, um, uh, talentas is the, the Greek transliterated word. Um, so, but, so I did a quick, quick survey of different translations, okay? So the latest NIV translates this word bags of gold. Bags of gold. Valuable coin and bags of gold don't really sound equitable to me. Um, in, in the NIV, there's a little footnote, uh, and down at the bottom it says it was, it was equivalent of about uh, 20 years worth of wages, that's the one bag of gold was worth about 20 years uh, of, of wages. So the NRSV translates it talents, and it has a footnote that says 15 years worth of wages. The English standard also says talents, but it, in the footnote it says 20 years worth of, of a laborer's wages. So this was, this was a lot of money. It's not like the silver dollar, the centennial edition of the silver dollar. No, we're not talking about uh, that kind of a coin. We're talking about a coin that, or a sum of money that the master didn't want lost. <laughs> the, the, the master had a lot to lose, lose here. I uh, had a lot riding on what was going on. So I kind of struggle with the word coin in this translation. But I'm, I'm convinced that the choice to translate it as a valuable coin was probably intentional. Uh, these translators don't, don't do anything by mistake. Um, 
Barclay tells us that a talent is, is a measurement of weight. So we really don't have in the word itself a measurement of its worth. Uh, if you have a talent of, of rocks, it's different than a talent of gold. Um, but the point is this. As we, as we read this parable and as we get drawn into this discussion of, of what really did the master give to the servants, we're kind of led down a dangerous path. And the dangerous path is this. We're sucked into this idea that this is an economic parable. That this parable is about money. That this parable is about earning money and getting return. Because it kind of sounds like it is. The, the good guys do well. The good guys are successful. They, they double their money. They're lauded. They're praised. They're celebrated by the master. And the invitation is given to, to the good guys. Come celebrate with me. Yay! We're winners. Celebrate the winners. Do good things. Life's great. We celebrate success. But this parable is clearly not about the first two servants. We get sucked into that a little bit. I want to be, be the guy with five. Guy with five earned five more. The guy had ten. Even at the end of the story, he gets the eleventh. That's awesome. This parable is not about the first two servants. They're simply mentioned as comparisons. They're given wealth. They have the same rate of return. Look at the look at the response that the master gives to those two servants. It's almost verbatim, exactly the same. They're almost like cardboard cutouts in this story. They're like. Major League Baseball fans this year. You saw the cardboard cutouts. The Mariners were selling them for 30 bucks. You could send in your picture. I didn't do it. I was, I was really tempted. Um, and they said if, you're, if your cardboard cutout gets hit by a foul ball, they actually send you the ball. Did you guys hear that? Like, it takes you out, but you get the ball. I want the cardboard cutout, you know. like Cardboard Trent. Um, the only servant that really has any texture or has any depth or has any dimension in this parable is the third servant. And the question that I wrestled with this week, the question that was on my heart is, where did this guy go wrong? What was his offense? As I struggled with this text or as I, as I worked with the text this week. It's important this week, just as every week, to, to take a look at, at the context. Where does this passage fall within the Gospel of Matthew? This is the third story out of four that Jesus is telling. He's, he's telling a series of stories, a series of parables that, that kind of move in progression. And all four of them point to the second coming of Christ. All four of them point to this, this time where Christ says, I will return. And the fact that we don't know when that will happen, but it's coming. We know it's coming. And it says, only the Father knows the time. The first story, the master will come when you least expect it. The servants in that story were mistreating their peers, were being idle, and the master returns quickly. The second story was about the bridesmaids last week. The bridesmaids were ready. They were ready to go. And what happened? The groom took longer than expected. 
And the foolish bridesmaids didn't have enough oil, couldn't last, didn't make it the whole, the whole time. So don't get caught unaware because sometimes the journey is long. This third story must follow in line with the message because of, of where it's placed. If so, the master returning and inquiring of these servants is clearly a picture of Christ's return. And upon returning and calling his, this third servant to account, my question remained, what was his offense? <laughs> I think this is where we, we tie in the scripture reading that we had this week. Poor Taylor today. <laughs> what, a, what a cheery uh, text that she got to read from, from Zephaniah. Zephaniah is not an easy read. Talking about manure. Come on, preacher. Don't make, don't make Taylor say that. In church even. Zephaniah is not an easy read. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. And Judah had gone astray. <laughs> Josiah the king was remembered in the Old Testament as a good king. But the kingdom that he inherited was a mess. What lay in ruins and Zephaniah just lays it out for Jerusalem that the destruction is imminent, that it's coming. One of the writers that I read this week, Gaffney, points out how there's no but God in the middle of, of Zephaniah, <laughs> especially in that first chapter. There isn't hope, there isn't redemption, there's a but turn to God and God will be faithful. Zephaniah doesn't get there in chapter 1. He doesn't get there in chapter 3. About halfway through chapter 3, he, he turns a corner. Chapter 1, chapter 2, there's no hope offered. There's no escape plan, no, no loophole to get out of the coming destruction. In fact, in, I think the third chapter even is the final chapter, and there's no change of tone. That's what prophets do, though, in the Old Testament. That's what, that was the message that prophets had been sent to speak to the nation of Israel. They lay it out straight with the people of Israel. <laughs> I, was, I was reminded this week that, that we Christians kind of like to play it nice with our faith. You know, we like to talk about the good stuff. We, talk, we like to talk about the happy stuff. We like to stay in the daylight about the promises that God gives us all. We like to say nice prayers. We like encouraging and comforting words. You know, that you like can cross-stitch on a pillow. The prophets and the Jews are, are much more raw and direct with their faith. This is Zephaniah. The wealth is going to be looted. You're going to work to rebuild. You're not going to live in those houses. You're going to grow these vineyards and not enjoy the grapes. And not drink the wine. Humanity will suffer. But for Zephaniah, did you catch what sparked this outrage? Verse 12, second verse she read, the NRSV says this way, I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will we do harm. I see a picture of someone sitting back just complacent. Having no trust. Not believing that God is going to show up. Who does this remind me of? 
the third servant. The third servant, the one who out of fear ran and hid the money, buried it for safekeeping, (laughs) drew a map so he can find it, X marks the spot, keeping it safe. A couple of commentators, Snow and Ermakov, point out the irony of this passage. And, and it's thick. The man who acted in fear did indeed have something to fear. The emotion that, that, that um, drove, drives the, the third slave creates the condition that leads to his downfall. Fearing, he ma- fearing his master, that which he fears is realized. He took no initiative. He accepted no risk. He took no chance with what he had been given. And in the end, encountered exactly what he had hoped to avoid. What was the third servant's error? Where did he go wrong? The wrong answer, the first wrong answer is he didn't earn any money. (laughs) No, that's not where he went wrong. Profit is not the goal of this parable. Being successful in business or, or having good returns is not Jesus' point. You know what I wish? I wish one of the first two servants would have risked it all and lost it all. I wish one of the two servants would have just been horrible at investment strategy, lost it all on the stock market, reduced down to nothing. What would the master have done? I suspect, and there's a commentator named Buchanan who agrees, he would not have been harsh, but might have applauded the efforts of the servant who said, I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to expect God to do nothing, but I'm going to trust. We don't know. What we do know is that this parable, the point of this parable is not Yay, winners rule. The people who, who, who do well end up on top. What was the servant's error? Wrong answer number two is he hid the money. Uh, certainly that was the focus of the conversation. Certainly that was the action that, that led him to the place where this parable ends. And, and he hid the money uh, and he had, he had reasons for why he did that. But I think the hiding of the money is a symptom of what was really wrong. What was wrong? He didn't know his master. He didn't have an accurate picture of the one he was serving. The master was generous. The master was rewarding. Did you hear how he gave the one coin the one talent to the guy who had ten. Which servant had ten talents? Ten valuable coins. Wasn't it the master's money? We get this impression that when the master returned, he, he left those coins in the possession of the servants. Apparently, the first guy got to keep all ten, and then it turned into eleven. The error of the servant in this passage, is that he knew so little of his master, what he wanted, how he operated, and what his priorities were. 
You know, if you take the, the servant's view only of the master, he's harsh, unforgiving. He takes what isn't his. But you read the story, and he's shown to be generous, trusting, and sharing of the spoils, sharing of the wealth that he had. <laughs> if we take only the master's view of the servant, he's easy, evil and lazy, rejected. But we can frame him as being cautious, conservative, playing it safe. I don't think either picture is full and accurate. What is our job today, church? As we read this story, as we, as we put ourselves into the story of this parable, what is our call? Our call today, our call to live our lives is simply this, to know our master to know our master, if this is a parable that is about the coming of Christ as he comes a second time, our job in the midst is not to be winners, not to make money, not to make 100% gains. Our goal is to know the master who is returning. And God has provided a way to get to know him. And to seek after him. And to follow after God. Each day. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. As they prepare to, to lead us in a final song today. I'm convinced today the call for us is to know our master. Uh, <laughs> I want to be the five talent guy. I hope, well at least I hope I get two. I want to do well. I want to double what I've been given. Be careful church. These responses to this parable are very Western, very capitalistic, very materialistic. They reveal how culture has programmed us to view the word of God. How do we avoid these mistakes? We know God. We draw close to God, allowing our whole being to be shaped and transformed by the God who calls us and invites us to be transformed into Christ's likeness. Would you pray with me? God, thank you today for your word. Thank you for these stories that you told us that, that have the ability to shape us and to call us into new types of living, into becoming new creations that you're calling us to be. In these moments as we read this text of God, I pray that I pray that I would know you more today than I did yesterday. That's my prayer. I, sometimes I sometimes I get way out over the end of my skis. <laughs> would you help me today to just look a little bit more like you? And then Lord tomorrow. May that be my prayer again. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're able this morning, would you stand and extend your hands to receive the benediction this morning. May we receive the grace of God this day and choose to be bold in sharing it with the world. And may our love for each other come from knowing God ever more closely and ever more intimately, I pray. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.